and welcome to the Wednesday evening Bible study of ITC Hebron Houston. The Bible study series called Faith That Works. Thank you for your commitment in attending this study. Your prayers and cooperations are very valuable to all of us and we want to thank you for that. In the Ratri, Pravarti Ulavishwasam and the Bible study series Lake. ഇപ്പുധനാഴ്ച <laughs> Associate Minister, Pastor Sam Vargis Avargalana. Adekhate Ortha Devate Studikinu, E. Pratega Bachatalatil Tande, Kutayameim, Kaitangalum, Shisrushagal Ketra Vilapata the Northa, Tande Kudubate Ortha Devate Studikia. This evening, Pastor Sam will be sharing from the Word of God primarily geared to our young people and those who speak English. May the Lord use him powerfully. And effectively this evening, with that, may I invite my brother and partner in ministry, Pastor Sam Vargis. Blessings and greetings to all on this beautiful day that the Lord has given us to come together and study the Word of God. Just as you heard Pastor Sabu uh, intro in the beginning, uh, today I have the privilege of leading us in the study that we have begun in the past four weeks under the title, Faith That Works. Before we begin the study, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we once again thank you for the word of God that is the source of us to receive the revelation of Christ Jesus. We thank you for the word that is alive. We thank you for the word that is the source of hope in all that we have in our lives. This evening as we spend time studying this word, which is the true living word of God, speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, enlighten in our hearts and minds the truths and the depths of knowing how to live a practical Christian life. In the midst of the crisis and all that we live through, teach us of how we can express and be grounded in our faith, a faith that works. We trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I pray that all of you are doing well and blessed and safe wherever you might be. Once again, bring greetings to all in the name of our Savior Christ Jesus, especially to our dear IPC Hebron Houston Church family and to all others that have logged in right now and that continue to faithfully follow us through our various media channels. We continue our series that we have begun on the book of James titled Faith That Works. We talked about a trial uh, that we need, uh, the, the, the faith that we need and the patience that we need in the midst of trials. We talked about the wisdom that we need in the midst of trials. Uh, and then we also talked about the need for us to persevere and to be patient in how we can trust in God in the midst of difficulties. And then last Wednesday, we also alluded to the passage uh, of, from verses 12 onwards in what we need to follow in our lives so that we can be aligned in what God has called us to be. Do not be tempted. We also had a clear understanding of God's character, God's attributes, in where he aligns us and puts us in perspective. And the concept of where the choices we make in how we feed our faith 
or how we feed our flesh. It was very uh, sensitive but very needed aspects that our respected pastor, Dr. Sabu Vargis, dealt last Wednesday with us. Uh, our goal was to get to verse 17, but we had to stop at verse 16. So that's where we're going to pick up today from verse 17, and then hopefully we will go to up to verse 21 today. So for those who are joining us for the first time, we are doing a study on the book of James, and today from chapter 1, we begin from verse 17. I hope you have the Word of God in your hands, and wherever you might be, join with me in reading the passage of meditation today. James chapter 1, verse 17 through 21. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Verse 19, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. A quick recap from last Wednesday. We ended off in the aspect of do not be deceived by this world. Do not feed into your lust. When you have situations and circumstances that battle against your flesh, you have to make the conscience intentional choice in how you develop a disciplined life. Now, it's easy for us to say like we ended last Wednesday, but it is a daily process for us to feed our faith. Because as humans, your flesh by default is always exposed or prone to attacks of the flesh. So you don't have an easy seven steps of how to overcome these things. It is a daily process of how you feed your faith. So we talked about how God cannot be tempted by evil. We are tested by God. But when it comes to temptation, it is when we give way for the devil to enter and work on top of those thoughts in our hearts, which is what we learned when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin leads towards spiritual death. But we come back and get on to verse 17 after James says, do not be deceived. Do not be confused that God is an evil God or God could do something to tempt us and put us in such harm's way. Well, how about where we are right now then? Aren't we all struggling with a pandemic, a virus, a crisis that the entire world is going through? Well, in that premise, let's read verse 17. That every good gift and perfect gift comes from God. There are some very important aspects we want to learn today. Some very theologically important aspects for us as Christians. In this verse 17... In my version, it says every good thing given and every perfect gift. In some versions, you see both those phrases actually used with the same word gift. But both the terminologies of gift are two different aspects. Every good gift and perfect gift. 
In the Greek, you see the good gift is defined with the Greek word dosis. Dosis is the word that is more horizontal in when one gives to someone a good action, an act of kindness, an act of generosity, an act of love. Uh, uh, this is the same word that is used when Paul in Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse, verse 15, 16 talks about giving and receiving in how you respond in your Christian life in taking care of one another. That is the gift that is mentioned here. So every good gift, every act of kindness, every act that resembles the fruits of the Spirit of God is from God. It is not just a mere human act. And every perfect gift, now here the gift is different. It uses the phrase dorema. Dorema is not just any gift. It is not just a masculine or feminine word. It's a neutral word. It's a word that denotes more a vertical aspect, the gift of God. This is the same word that Paul used in Romans chapter 5 when he talks about the nature of man, the sinful nature of man, and, and, and the, uh, the, the gift that God gave through the God of righteousness. That is how we in our sinful nature is made righteous through God. That is not a gift that any man can give to each other. That is only something that can be given by someone who is righteous in its truest sense. That is God himself through Christ Jesus. So every good gift horizontally that you and I serve or help each other or any act of kindness you see around, irrespective of who that person might be, that is through God. I know this is a season where you have heard a political leader that said how numbers have gone low and things got better in a particular state and clearly specifying God did not do that. We did that. Always remember in the true context of goodness and kindness and compassion, the true source is God. Doses, the true source of doses is always God. Even though it is done through feeble, imperfect uh, people like you and I. Every good gift comes from God. Every perfect gift as well. Perfect gift is something very uh, unique that only can be described of one aspect. The one that is perfect in its full sense. The one that has no blemish. The one that cannot be compared to anything else. The perfect gift. Both comes from above. Now it talks about what this above is. Coming down from the Father of lights. I know my study here tonight is pretty much in English, but I hope those at home, those who prefer Malayalam, will follow through as we read from James 1, 17 onwards. The source of this good gift, horizontal in one element, and perfect gift, vertical from God to man, is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. The concept of light is very important here because it is not just talking about Christ Jesus who came to the world, that James, who was one among them, a brother, and the other apostles who walked with Jesus. But he's going way back, the father of lights, going back to Genesis 1, one, the first aspects of creation. And then you see verse 14 and 15 that talks about light and, and the, the realm of firmament of heaven. 
It is a very deep word that James draws out to bring here. It is from the Father of lights, a true source that is not just an object or an image. And then, of course, he alludes to also Christ Jesus, who himself called himself that I am the light. These are two aspects of God in his divine nature that James is plugging together. Eternal God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the one that led his people, guided his people, and the incarnation of that God in the form of flesh, Christ Jesus, in its truest sense to now who we are. We know that James' context is a scattered church, a scattered group of believers that are persecuted, that are struggling. There are Jews, there are Gentiles, there are all kinds. So he's connecting to all aspects back through God's people, Israel, and now to those that are in Christ Jesus, to all among you, understand that any good gift and perfect gift is from above, the one that is the father of lights. With whom, this is what is describing the father of lights, there is no variation or shifting of shadow. A very important analogy here. In verse 17, you see some astronomical words used. Astronomy, uh, stellar lights of, 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 of the sky. And those images that James draws here. See, there's a reason why James is bringing this. Because there were a Gnostic understanding, a Gnostic ideology for the Greeks that were trying to prove and come to some understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. So the Gnostic mindset was that Jesus was a lesser form of God. There's God, and that there's someone that is lesser than God, but not fully, but higher than man. And then there were angels, and then there's man. And to an extent of Gnostic teaching that, Man was also God, but the least form of God. And because of that, man fell. Man sinned. But Jesus did not sin, but he was not fully God. That's why he took the form of man. And that is why he died. Otherwise, why would God die? So there were so many parallels that teachings were developing to show who God is. God and a parallel God and a little parallel God. Small, small variations. That is why James is specifically using that word variance. In Greek, he uses the word paralage. Paralagi means no parallel. That's where you get the word parallel. So it is not just uh, 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 another form, but very similar, very parallel, but not God. So it is very important what James is trying to establish here that what you and I enjoy in your faith as Christians is not just you believe in Jesus, but you're believing in God in its fullest sense because there is no variance. And the next image he uses is talking to the scientific and knowledgeable and intellectual community that was trying to understand sun and the moon and the stars and how all this aligned together. And he uses the phrase, 
No shifting shadow. What is shifting shadow? You know eclipse, lunar eclipse, solar eclipse. When celestial bodies come parallel, aligned with each other, and when one moves aside, the shadow of the other light object, which is sun, falls on and reflects. And you see the shifting shadow where it moves, and you see face by face by face the light revealing itself. James is trying to again point the fact that God is not small, small revelations. He was the full revelation of who he is through Jesus Christ. He was not just a small revelation when he started ministry when he was 30 years old. He was the full revelation of God. That is why we see the instance of Jesus at the age of 12, how we reveal the scriptures and the word of God. Yet the Jews had questions about that. There was a form of teaching that believed that Jesus was just man and he became God after he prayed in the wilderness. You see how many ways word, the scripture that is the true word of God, is being skewed, and to use the word James says, deceiving the minds of people. This is the true word of God. But if you don't read this knowing that this is God, the devil can play tricks in your mind with the very word of God. That is exactly what Satan himself did with whom? Jesus himself. You and I know the attack he used in John 4. Using the word itself to quote and battle with Jesus who himself is the word. If devil used that trick against Jesus, imagine how much he would be using that with you and I. In this day and age where there is so much, a plethora of information of, of, of the word and the meaning of the word and devotions, I pray that you take time, discern in your mind and spirit to believe in the true word of God and to understand it in its true context. Because the one that we believe is not a shadow, it's not a shifting shadow. It is the bright morning star. Jesus, the way that James is pointing out, is not like any other body that is reflecting the light from another source. Jesus is not someone that is trying to reflect the light from Jehovah, God, the father of lights. But he himself is the essence. We will learn how. But he's one with no shifting a shadow. It's like, it's like, it's like right at the, at, the, at the meridian of noon, when the sun shines right above your head. You cannot see any shadow because all that you see is the pure, bright light shining in and through you. In that exact same manner, if you could understand that image, there is no parallel, there is no variance, no shifting shadow. That is the source of all good gifts and perfect gift. I hope you're with me as we dealt very deep with verse 17. Because if that said, this is what verse 18 says. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. You see Jesus now coming in the light. This is why I said this is not just talking about God the Father, but in his full essence of the triune God being explained in such a powerful way. Verse 18 talks about in the exercise of his will, God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Who was the truth? 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christ himself, in the will of the Father, came forth to pull us out that we would be a kind of first fruits. I want to connect verse 17 along with this verse 18. Because when James talks about every good gift, every perfect gift, he talks about a level of goodness, righteousness. At the same time, you understand the antithesis, the contrast of it is there is evil. There's something that is not good. So every good thing is from above. So then where is evil from? This brings us to some theological questions on, 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 on the origin of sin and the original sin. Where did sin come from? Did God create sin? If God is the creation of all things, did he create evil? I hope you're with me, listening very carefully. God did not create evil. The absence of light is what darkness is. The moment you choose to not have God, to void God, that is by default darkness. That is why James uses the phrase light. Because the absence of light, can light be void? When Lucifer, when Satan, he was one among the angels, he chose to think for a moment void of God. He chose to feed into a life with no light. The moment I choose no light, I am choosing darkness. So I don't have to choose sin. I just have to choose no light. Are you with me? So God did not create sin. Devil in his own free, every angel had the freedom. Everyone could have picked it. They all walked in the holiness and purity and righteousness what they had. But one chose his free will. Why not? And there came forth. And when God created man, he created man in the fullness of his image and likeness with the, with the freedom of free will. And that man chose that exact same element. Chose the element of trusting what he should not have done. And that brought darkness, death. So when we read this next verse, understand very clearly, when Christ came out forth by the word of truth, which is described in the word of God, that this is the passage, this is the way. And that is why James uses the phrase first fruits. First fruits. And in, in, in the Old Testament, we know very clearly First fruits are the first measure of every sheave that is harvested. And the first aspect of it, the first fruit, goes to God, goes to the temple of God. The first ounce, the first portion of who you are. That was very important in the temple of God. The first lamb, the firstborn, the first sheave, the first measure. That was what was given to God. Nothing secondary. The one that was most prime, the most important, the most pure, the most tender. 
as a means of sacrifice for you and I that were fallen in nature, God gave his begotten son. So he is the first fruit of all that have died. He paid a new chapter. And because of that, we through Christ Jesus have become a kind of first fruit. We are not first fruit. Christ is the first fruit. And because of righteousness in and through Christ, we are kind of a first fruit. You're with me this evening? That is the phrase that, that, that James uses here. So that we would be a kind of first fruit among his creatures. So all of his creation, under his goodness that he has created, but all of his creation, as we read in Romans 5, because of the fall of man, imputed through the fallen nature of mankind. And among all the creation, those that believed in Christ Jesus, those that received him, those that believed that this Jesus is the son of God, became a kind of first fruit. Now let me connect all this together. Why did James write all this after talking about trials, patience, wisdom, purity, not to be deceived? He brings all this together with one element, saying when you are truly in Christ Jesus, you put Christ as the prime image, your prime focal point, not a parallel, not a secondary style, but him and him alone. Never be deceived by all the other teachings and false understandings of what God could be. Do not be deceived that God would tempt you. Do not be deceived that God is evil. Do not, do not be deceived that God could be the creator of evil. But in the midst of all the suffering and crisis that you go through, just like James talks to a church that is being persecuted, in the midst of this test, hold on to the word. Why? Because the father of lights gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that he would come forth through the word of truth to purchase us. If that is what God designed, the salvific nature of mankind, of redeeming his children, imagine what you and I are going through. It's a much bigger picture what God has in mind. Well, for the last four or five weeks, you have been listening to the word of God. So the next verse is very important. We have been listening a lot. Here's what James transitions after all this learning. All right, guys, I've been talking. I've been telling you so much about who God is. I've been trying to encourage you and help you understand how you should live your life. Now, here's something very important. Verse 19. This you know. All this I told you, you know. You know very well in your heart. You have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth and you have declared your life in allegiance to this Jesus, the one that is the first fruit by which you have become first fruits. This you know, my beloved brother, but there's something you need to understand. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. There are three elements in this verse, in verse 19. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow in anger. Quick to hear, 
slow to speak, slow in anger. The Greek words here for quick and slow are exact opposites. Trachis and bradis. Those in the medical field know what trachycardia is and bradycardia is. Trachycardia is when your heart beats faster than what it's supposed to. Bradycardia is when the heart beats slower than what it's supposed to. That's exactly where you get that phrase. Trachy means quick. Brady means slow. I'm not referring to Tom Brady. If those who are wondering, I'm talking against your big uh, hero in football. Trachy, quick. Brady, slow. So in other words, quick to hear. At the same time, slow to speak. So any shift the other way, slow to hear, obviously means you're way too quick to speak. Focus where are you putting your priorities in. James is talking to a church that knows all this very well. Knows the word, knows the circumstances, knows the need for us not to be deceived, knows the need for us to hold on to the truth. But then what is, what is messing up? It is how you process it out through you. Ears speak, heart. These are the three areas where James is focusing now. Quick to hear. Listen to what I'm saying carefully. Listen to every word, every truth that is spoken out of the mouth of God. But when you process, be careful in how you speak out. Because guard your heart, guard your mind. Because where your heart is, that is where your treasure, your mindset lies. There are moments in your life where your flesh, your life will be questioned. There are people who are not like the first fruits. There are people who have not abided with the perfect gift. There are people who have embraced evil. There is evil around the world. There is difficulty around the world. And there are people who live that lifestyle that feed their flesh. And when they come and connect with you, they're going to test you. They're going to question your faith. In those moments, be wise in how you apply what you have heard. That could even happen inside church. That could happen between any human being that lives in this flesh. No matter how spiritual you are, again, I go back to John 4. If devil tried to tempt Jesus, who is the full incarnation of God, Imagine how the devil wants to tempt you and I in every walk of our life. Slow to speak. Don't react, but learn to respond. Learn to listen. Let me say a few words on that. Especially the Malayali community or the Indian community. Have a hard time to listen. Humanity, mankind per se, default does not like to listen a whole lot. What am I talking about listening? Not just listening like what I'm talking to you and you're listening, but listening to someone's heart, listening to someone deep within, learning to listen to care. We are so good in talking to tell how much we care. You have heard me say this phrase before. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I'll say that again. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. 
You can talk all you want to say how much you care for someone. You can talk all you want of how great of a Christian you are. But until you resemble and live what you talk about, all your speech is in vain. You understand what I'm saying? Take time to listen. Here's an example. When someone comes with a difficulty to you, a problem to you, it is emotionally heavy. And usually for human nature, we don't have time to hear. We don't want to hear the full story. And these are phrases that we normally use. I know. Trust me. Don't say that phrase, I know. Because no one knows how another person feels. This is a true example of quick to speak and slow to hear. Because I'm rushing to tell that person, I know how you feel. I think I get it. You don't need to talk anymore. Give a listening ear so people feel heard. Another way is when someone tells you an incident or a story in their life, counter it with, ah, yeah, 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 let me tell you how I, my, and you kind of project it back to you. Sometimes you don't have to speak. Sometimes you just have to listen. That in itself is the best response. There are so many out there in this crisis that we are talking about. Coronavirus is going to fade away. COVID-19, C-19, whatever you call it. All this will fade away. But there is a new pandemic. There is a new problem that lies out there. It is emotional grief. Emotional health that is needed. So many out there are struggling. The healthcare workers, they have been working tirelessly, but there will be a moment where all this fades out. Their true essence of emotion is going to be lacking, will be drawn out. Families, parents who are stuck at home, those who have been challenged by the work environments, Children, you just got informed this past few days that schools are officially closed. All these moments are constraining you with emotional aspect that you do not know how to vent it out. And when life gets back to its new normal, there will be a lot of people. Physically, things might be okay to live, but emotionally, everybody is constrained. In those moments, when there is not a proper listening ear, people will lose it. People will lose it to their flesh, to their emotions. That is where uncontrolled anger, anxiety, loneliness, all this is already in its early phase in so many lives. Listen to me carefully, those who are watching. Would you take a moment to listen carefully to your heart? Listen to what God is speaking to you and find help and talk to someone. Talk and find help and seek God's hand in your life. You don't have to struggle where you are right now. This is what James is talking to a community in one paradigm. You are a persecuted church. You are a pained church. You are a burdened church. You are a broken church. You are wounded church. But there is healing in the midst of brokenness. There is deliverance in the midst of pain and suffering. That is when you let your inner ears and inner man listen to the voice of God. And he will give you the confidence to reach out to those around you. We may not be able to see you face to face. So many of your friends and relatives can't see you face to face. But use the resources to connect and to speak life. Listen to one another. Listen to those that are needed because we need each other.
and we need God. Instead, what is happening? Quick to hear, slow to speech, slow to anger. Because if you don't pay attention, you will end up reacting. Reaction quite often begets, gives birth to the fruits of the flesh. Anger, malice, lust, false thoughts and actions, bitterness, hatred. The list goes on, which you see in Galatians chapter 5. James is trying to teach us, even before Paul wrote those books, trying to speak life and understanding in our hearts, the importance why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Aren't you so grateful for that? Two ears that you can hear and respond with wisdom. Two ears because there'll be some words that are not helpful to you, that might sound criticizing you, that may sound hurtful to you. Use the other ear to get it out. Don't treasure it in your heart because it goes from this to here that is going to receive, respond and react to anger and hatred and bitterness. Take it through here and let it out through here and be slow to speak so you trust in God's voice. The next two verses are real quick if you can get what I just told you right now. Verse 20, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. This is what we learned in verse 18. That we were brought out forth, given birth to a regeneration. That we were born on this earth in a fallen nature. But when we are reborn, born again in Christ Jesus, that new nature of who we are, that leads to righteousness because we are made righteous through Christ Jesus. But on the other side, what you just read right now in verse 20, but the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. In other words, this is another true example that even once you are in Christ Jesus, even once you are walking in the light, you have the choice to deviate away from the light. This is the same word that is used to give birth when you use the verse in verse 15, give birth to sin. When you're in Christ Jesus, born again in Christ, you are given birth to new life. On the flip side, when you conceive lust, you're giving birth to sin. Light is where you need to, but your choice of no light is by default darkness and sin. Anger is from the flesh. Anger is not from God. You will be frustrated. Don't get me wrong. When you see suffering, when you see problems, you will get frustrated and you might respond to that. That is godly. But it is when you harbor frustration in your heart and turn it out to anger. Let me clarify that once again. Jesus himself got upset. You know the incident that happened in the temple. When he saw the temple of God that was supposed to be used in a healthy manner, that was supposed to be the house of prayer, being used for business, being commercialized, that brought a wrath in Jesus. And he was angry. He used that anger to actually reflect the righteousness of God. But the anger of man, when you focus anger for wrong purposes, when you focus anger for ego, for pride, my way did not get it. They did not accept my suggestion. That is how it was supposed to be, but they did not do it that way. 
When your pride and ego surfaces up, you are conceiving lust and flesh. That will give birth to sin, and that will not help you obtain the righteousness of God, is what this verse is saying. So you will have things in your life that will, uh, that will challenge you. Go for justice. Go for what is truth. Go for what is good in the sight of God. And in those cases, you have to stand up for truth. That is hard. I challenge you to stand up for truth. But when you do that, that is not for you. You're doing that to resemble and glorify God. That is good. That is good frustration. But on the flip side, when it is in response to your ego, your pride, your flesh, that frustration is not healthy. Lay it before God's sight. Because that will not help you be righteous. How is he telling to lay it before God's sight? Verse 21 and be close. Therefore, because this walk you're doing will not get you in the righteousness. You are suffering. You are persecuted. You are going through tests. You are going through tribulations. You are going through difficult situations in your life. But in that midst, I am asking you to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And stay away from all this. Why? Therefore, putting aside all filthiness so that you can be part of the righteousness of God. And all that remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save souls. I want to bring three things here and wrap my words. Putting aside all filthiness 